I work hard at being very simple so that the guy who is on the street, he can understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've seen God open doors that only he could open and we knew he had. He has been sharing the gospel for over a half century. Our first person guest today is Dr. Harold Sala of Guidelines, and you'll hear the conversation in a moment. First, I invite you to stop by our website for not only information about today's guest, but also a look at upcoming programs and an archive of past broadcasts you can explore. We're found at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, an even easier way of keeping up with each week's program is by downloading our free smartphone app, giving you the ability to listen to or download any current or past program to be played anytime you wish. Just search First Person Interview in your app store. And before we hear from our guests, let me thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for the support which makes this program possible. FEBC is dedicated to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the world through radio and digital media, and you can help with your support. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Author, Bible teacher, and broadcaster Harold Sala founded Guidelines in 1963. As we met in his California studio, I asked him to tell me his story from the beginning. My earliest memory was December 5, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. I was just a lad. I was home. I remember the chair I was sitting in. My mother began to cry, and I said, why is she crying? She tried to explain what war is. I found the Lord when I was 12 years of age. As far back as I can remember, our family went to church, but none of us were Christians. It was good for business because you made contacts there, you had friends, and subsequently. But living in the city of Denver, there was a missionary who had been in the Philippines whose name was Lester Summerall, a rather flamboyant, extravagant sort of guy. He came through Denver, and my parents wanted to go hear this guy. Well, for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel, and on a Sunday morning, my brother and my sister and I went forward and accepted the Lord. I was 12 years of age, and two days later, we went back, and my mother and father both accepted the Lord, and that was the beginning of my spiritual pilgrimage. There are a lot of people who can tell you how they went from the gutter to God, and I've been in the gutter a lot of times. But it's been helping somebody get up out of the gutter and move forward. I uh, went to a youth conference, I think, when I was 14. And it was then that God really called me to preach. It's sometimes as difficult as you well realize to explain how God called me to do something. That's what we talk about in this program an awful lot. I'd like to hear your explanation. It was a conviction. Okay. I will always remember I went forward. I was kneeling in prayer all by myself, and I just felt this you need to go preach the gospel. Did you know what it meant to preach? Oh, absolutely, because I'd been in church every Sunday in an evangelical church for the previous two years. I came home, told my mother that God had called me to preach, and she cried. And I thought, wonder why she's crying. (laughs) But she was very glad. And then my mother and father supported me in the decision I made. You know, Wayne, I'm totally flawed, but I have never looked back. From that point on, I knew what God wanted me to do, and I've had great joy in doing what he's called us to do. So did you become a pastor then at some point early on? Well, not precisely. 
We got married in 1949, and immediately after that, Darlene and I went to Europe in evangelism. We were in a different British church every night for 90 days with the exception of one night. And while we were in Edinburgh, Scotland, the pastor of the church that I found the Lord in sent us a cable and said, we want you to come back and join our staff. So, Darlene and I returned to the city of Denver, and for three years, I was on the staff of one of the ten largest churches in the U.S. It was a combination of First Baptist in Dallas and Hollywood First Press. (laughs) Before I went there, the pastor arranged for me to spend two weeks with Henrietta Mears. Oh, boy. What an experience. Yeah. I shall never forget, I was sitting on a sofa, Ethel Baldwin was her secretary, and uh, she was waiting for Ethel, for Dr. Mears to arrive. She came in, and without any small talk, she said, young man, sit down. In the next two hours, you're going to learn more about Christian education than you did all the time you were in school. And indeed, I did. What a woman. What a woman. The three years that I spent in Denver was a postgraduate course in, in really life and what works and what doesn't work. We had a steady stream of of, uh, Christian leaders who came through, who impacted my life. Tory Johnson, J. Sidlow Baxter, Mm -hmm. the British expositor. Uh, We had Bob Pierce. Let me digress for a moment and tell you how Bob Pierce impacted my life. This is a who's who, by the way. Oh, uh, it really was. It really was. We were having dinner after a Sunday night service in a hotel in downtown Denver. Vernon McClellan, who was very talented violinist and a really good guy, and I took Bob Pierce to dinner. I will never forget, as we sat there, and he told us about the orphans in Korea and the needs that were there. He shed tears, and they dropped on the table. Hmm. Boy, this impacted me because I knew this was for real. So, is that when your heart sort of awakened to compassion ministry? Well, yes. My heart was already open to it. But then, after we had been there for three years, Darlene and I were on vacation, little cabin up in the Colorado Rockies, and we were saying, how does God want us to use our lives to impact the greatest number of people in our generation? We heard no voices, we saw no hands writing on the wall, but again, we heard from God. And the message was, use the media. At that time, four of the five largest nations in the world had closed their doors to traditional missions, but we knew that radio would bridge the gap. So, we resigned, went down on Larmer Street, and we bought used, very used radio equipment. Wait a minute, you say that so casually, you just, you resigned. Yes. But... I mean, did what were you going to? Well, we had a game plan, and that was to begin producing a five-minute program, five days a week, that would reach people on the street. But how is that going to sustain you and your family? I wasn't concerned about that, because I believe Hudson Taylor was right. God's work, done God's way, will never lack God's supply. We invited two other men to become part of a guidelines board. We met in the basement of my brother's home, and we formulated some principles that we have lived by to this day, one of which is we would trust God implicitly for the resources we needed to do this work. And subsequently, 
in our 50-some years now, 53 years of ministry, almost 54, we have never asked for money on radio or 15 years of television as well. But looping back for just a minute, I recorded my first program in a missionary guest house on Park Avenue in Los Angeles, took the program to the radio station that was nearby, Christian radio station, KFSG, played the five-minute program, and he says, I like it, we'll take it. (laughs) Oh, that was easy. (laughs) We added one new station on the average of every two and a half weeks for the first two years. I'm going to pause you there, Harold, because it seems to me that maybe there wasn't a whole lot of other programs like this. At the time. It was the first five-minute program on Christian radio. Okay, and you were putting it on recording tape. Yes, that's right. And then sending that tape out to stations? We started cranking that thing out, sending it (laughs) to stations. Our first recorder was an Ampex 350. Oh, yeah. About the size of a modern washing machine. (laughs) And I had an Electrovoice 770 that was so tough you could drive nails (laughs) with the thing. And we took a clothes closet put acoustic tile on it, and that was our first recording studio. (laughs) We didn't have sense enough to know that we couldn't do this thing. I began writing my five-minute program five days a week, and when I had about a hundred of these things, I sent a hundred of them to Baker Bookhouse, and I shall never forget Herman Baker was a great champion of young aspiring writers. They said, we like this, we'll print something, and they printed a gift edition in a slipcase of my commentaries. You know, Wayne, I'm so glad that they they agreed to print that, because if they had rejected that, I probably would have said, I can't do this, I'm just no good at it. <laughs> that decision to take guidelines and to publish it, I mean, that was one of those turning points. You've oh, seen many of those through absolutely. the years, haven't you? We're now 65 books later that have all been 65 published. 65 books. 65, and in the process, I've written more than 13,000 five-minute commentaries. And these aren't just for the U.S. consumption. These oh, go no. all over the world. At the present time, we're broadcasting in 13 different languages. We'll continue exploring the life and ministry of Dr. Harold Sala coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. We've produced a number of storytelling videos of God at work in the lives of FEBC listeners living in difficult circumstances. To see these videos and to be encouraged in God's Word, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and sign up for our 30-day online devotional. It's easy and there's no obligation. You will love seeing and hearing stories of people's lives being saved through the gospel message. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Dr. Harold Sala, who is chairman of the board of Guidelines International Ministries, a worldwide ministry that we've heard the story of how God raised this up with a simple little program, five-minute program that's still being heard, by the way around the world called Guidelines, and uh, I, I want to hear more about w- what you describe as a simple—you keep the message simple. I would be happy to. One thing that we tried to do from the very beginning is to develop one thought in a five-minute period. Victor Hugo, the French novelist, said, nothing in all the world is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. Mm-hmm. When we first started radio, we had people say, well, you need to have— onward Christian soldiers, or something really dynamic so people would know this is a Christian program. I said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. We begin using 
Morse code, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and then the announcer would say, this is Harold Salo with guidelines, so five-minute commentary on living. What we were trying to do is to take the man on the street and lead him into an encounter with the claims of Christ and make it very clear. And, Wayne, over the years, we have heard from all kinds of people. Tell me some of those stories, especially some of the early stories that encouraged your own heart. I would be happy to. I was in Liberia on an occasion. We were broadcasting with the LWA. I was flying in on a plane, and uh, there's a great big gentleman, uh, three or four rows up, heard my voice, and he came back. He said, are you Harold Sale? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, listen, I want to have a picture with you when we get off this plane. Well, he was a government official. He recognized my voice. (laughs) On another occasion, I was in the Philippines, and I had flown over with a friend of mine, Steve Rudenbar, who is six feet seven, great big guy. Uh, He's one of the mission pastors at Saddleback, served on our board, a wonderful friend. So, I took him with me to the Philippines, and then from there on into China. But anyway, uh, the first night, you always have jet lag, and you, you know, you don't really feel like doing much of anything other than eating and going to bed. But a friend of mine called and said, my friend has a uh, big event tonight, and he's one of your followers on radio, and he'd love to have you uh, come to his birthday party. I said, okay. So, we were seated at the table of honor with a movie star next to me and two or three VIPs. And then we noticed that people were turning around and looking at the entrance. So I turned my head and I turned to Steve. I said, you know who that is who just walked in? He said, no. I said, that's Amelda Marcos. Well, okay, Steve was sitting next to me and there were two empty chairs next to him. And Amelda Marcos and her friend who accompanies her sat in those two spots. And as soon as she sat down and I spoke, she said, I know who you are. I listened to you on the radio. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you've learned so much about how to open up to the Lord's leading, follow it when you don't know exactly where it's going to take you, just being obedient. Let's apply some of the lessons you've learned to people who are listening right now who maybe feel like they should be stepping out and doing something for the Lord. Okay. First of all, the Great Commission is not an invitation. It is a command. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. The person who does nothing at all makes a conscious decision to refuse to do what God has called us to do. I also believe the enabling of the Holy Spirit is what we need to really get the message across to the person who does not know who Jesus Christ is. He doesn't call us and then not equip us for the task. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe in that. So... Subsequently, we have found that when you trust the Lord and you feel a prompting to do something, good men who also know what the score is in relationship to the world and so forth, if they say, yeah, this sounds like a good idea, we're totally behind this thing. And that's why we have seen God open doors and we have chosen not to do some things that are often done. So, we have trusted God implicitly for his resources and we have found that God does make provision. Armin Gesswein, who is now with the Lord, who was a mutual friend, he did prayer crusades for Billy Graham. Armin says we don't raise money, we lower it. We pray and God provides. Mm-hmm. And we have found this is the key to what we're doing. 
I mentioned we had done television for 15 years. The last Sunday we were in Manila, having lived there for two years, a woman came to me and she said, have you considered doing television? I thought, wow, she's got the money and I've got the burden and the vision. And Nancy Jongbein said, we'll pray about this. <laughs> came back home. We were broadcasting here. The phone rang one day and a friend of mine that I had not seen for many years said, we'd like to get together with you. Now, what neither one knew is before I went to the Philippines, I spent three days fasting and praying in a little cabin in the California Rockies. And in the margin of my Bible, beside Matthew 9.29, which says, according to your faith, be it unto you, I wrote TV. So, we said, Lord, if we're going to continue our television ministry, we need three things. Number one, we need a technician who really knows his stuff. I said, number two, we need our own building, our own facility, and number three, we need our own equipment. And within a few months, God had brought all three together spontaneously. So, for 15 years, we produced a non-commercial uh, station. We were on as many as 200 stations. And we never bought time, but God provided that. Presently, especially, say, in Albania, Kosovo, and third world countries, it is necessary to buy time yes. because they have to buy time to air programs. Let me take you back to this issue, though, because you've seen all these dreams come alive. The Lord has really prospered those dreams that you started out with. Someone listening today has got a dream but they're never going to have an international radio broadcast or television broadcast. And yet God has called them to something very specific. Again, talk to that person, just encourage them to follow the Lord's leading, if you would, because you've learned so much of this firsthand through all these years. Well, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is read the biographies of some individual like Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, mm -hmm. read their biographies, including some individuals today like myself who have taken a narrow path, but they have seen the hand of God making provision for that. I do believe that God's work, done God's way, will not lack God's supply. But did you ever get discouraged along the way? To be very honest with you, I have to say no. Really? Because we have taken it by faith. Bob Bowman once gave me some good advice. He said, if you can't take it by faith, you have no business being in Christian radio. For many, many years, I've had a little sign over my microphone by Ralph Spalding Cushman that says, I do not ask that men may sound my praises or headlines spread my name abroad. I only pray that as I voice the message, hearts may find God. Wherever we go in this world, we meet people who say, I found the Lord listening to your program. And I will always remember a young man came leaping over a pew, ran over to where I was, and he says, I am in ministry today because of you. I listened to your program and God spoke to my heart. Hmm. So we take it by faith. We believe when you proclaim the word, whether it is in China or Russia or Timbuktu, God will honor his word. So we'll wait till we cross the threshold into heaven to meet with the people who have. Again, as we say goodbye here, you've learned so many of these lessons, and I really appreciate the fact that you, you tell us to read biographies and learn from the lessons of those who have gone before us. Just a final word about that, Harold, because this is something that I think many young people struggle with. Well, am I really going to make a difference? Is it really going to count for God? Well, first of all, 
This is where you have to trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I am fully persuaded that the power of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to be effective. George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, individuals like that, Dwight L. Moody, who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed their lives. I have just released a book entitled Getting Acquainted with the Holy Spirit. I consider this to be one of the three most important books I've ever written because the Holy Spirit, people say, oh yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit. But if you read Moody or Finney or Tory, you realize here are three individuals whose lives were vastly different, but all of them were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And subsequently, God leads us one step at a time. And when you take that first step, he will give you light to take the second step. I've often said God's will is like a flashlight in a dungeon. Doesn't shine around the corner, doesn't illuminate the next cavity. It gives you just enough light to take the next step. And Wayne, that's what we've been doing year after year after year. Every morning at 10 o'clock, everybody connected to guidelines stops and we pray. And we ask God to meet the needs of people who listen, fellow Christians, work around the world. Discouragement is one of the devil's most useful tools. And if he can discourage you, then you begin to question that it was God or you just had a wacky idea. <laughs> and then get the counsel of other godly men. There's a concept that I think you haven't bought into. The concept is retirement. You haven't bought into that, have you, Harold? <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, the average the average American male dies three to seven years of retirement. Uh, I don't see retirement in Scripture. The gifts and the calling of God, Paul wrote to the Romans, are irrevocable. And uh, I just turned 80 on my last birthday. Um, and we've just finished a book that will be released in a few months entitled Age is Just a Number. <laughs> if you don't mind, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Thank you, Satchel Page and Mark Twain. <laughs> You're going to keep going. Oh, indeed I will. But I have to tell you, about 18 months ago, I passed the baton to my daughter, Bonnie, who, in my opinion, is doing a great job. Frankly, I think she's doing a better job than I ever did. So, I am there as a mentor, and I'm very much part of the Ministry of Guidelines, but we've passed the baton, and God is doing some wonderful things at the present time, especially internationally, corners of the world that are very bleak. We have just been in Ukraine, Kosovo, and Albania. And uh, I was just noticing the stamps in my passport. I've been in 30 different countries since the year 2000. And we'll continue to do this as long as we can. Our guest has been Dr. Harold Sala of Guidelines. What a great model of ministry he's been to me and many people around the world. Thanks for listening to this week's program. We enjoy bringing you these conversations and trust that you are encouraged and strengthened in your faith because of them. Before we leave, I'd like to ask you to visit our webpage and sign up to receive a powerful online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company. Each day via email, you'll receive another story of a life changed spiritually through the broadcast of FEBC. Each story is combined with scripture to give you a powerful thought from God's word. You can sign up for this free FEBC devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. And also look for our smartphone app in your favorite app store and visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash first person interview. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to join us next week for First Person. 